Aren't you glad that men and women always hear the same thing? They always think the same thing. Justin is, uh, as you heard, he's down in, in Elkins today, so I get to talk to you today. My name's Scott, um, and I'm glad that I get to share with you today. So I'm going to talk to you about a few things, but we've been doing a series. I know Justin's been going through a series about um, what happy couples know, right? And so we're going to keep with that theme, and we're going to talk about something today that I think is the most important. I want to share with you that uh, it was a month ago. So my wife and I have a group of college kids that we're really close with. We meet with them every week um, on Tuesday nights, and, and we're really close with them, and we get to spend a lot of time with them, and then every once in a while we'll go do something together. So my wife, who's sitting right there, hey, hon, Lynette, we've been married for 24 years, yeah. Yeah, pretty cool. So before we went on our trip, we decided we were going to go over. There's, there's eight of them, plus the two of us, or ten of us. Um, and we were going to go take the, the church has a van that we park over by the college. So we were going to go check it out before we went on our trip. So we go over to the college and we look at the van and it's got a crack in the windshield. And all right, we get inside and there's, there's like dummy lights that come on. And some of the dummy lights have dummy lights that say that the first dummy light wasn't working right. So like it says, a uh, dummy light comes on and says, hey, low tire pressure. And then the next light will come on and say, oh, by the way, the tire pressure light doesn't really work. So it's just a couple things wrong with it. Just wasn't quite right. And so we're sitting there on Friday night. We're going to go on our trip on Saturday. We're going to go up to Morgantown with the, these guys. And we're going to do an escape room and then go out to eat and just have a good time. So Friday night, we're checking it out, and Lynette says, yeah, I don't think we should take this vehicle. I said, oh, we'll be fine. It's a, it's a church van. It's in good shape. We'll be okay. No, I don't think we should. Lynette, we're going to be good. We'll take the church van. We'll have a good time. No, you know what? I'm going to drive. And I said, because I am the man, uh, you can drive. But you'll be by yourself because the rest of those guys are going to be in this van riding with me together. And so that's what we did. So the next day, we get ready to go, and she gets in the van with me. And all of us load up in the van to go on our trip together. So, yes, I know. I'm in the future, too. So we go on this trip. And we head up to Morgantown, have a great time. We go through the escape room, and then we go over to Oliverio's and eat, and we spend the day together. We just had a really good time together. And then we get in the van, and we start back, and we stop at uh, Fairmont. Anybody ever eat at Dairy Cream Corner? Yeah, it's like, it's an experience, right? You get a small cone, and it takes two hands to hold it because it's really big. And so we did that, and so we get back in the van. It's about 1030 at night, and we're headed home, and as we're driving down the interstate, the van starts to swerve. And Lynette looks at me. She's sitting beside me. She looks at me and she says, stop doing that. Like I said, I'm not doing it. I, the van is doing it. And so we pull over and sure enough, we blew a tire. So like, dang it. So we have to get all the kids out of the van, up on the hill. And I'm up there and, you know, Lynette's like, why don't you just call a tow truck? I am not calling the tow truck. I can change a flat tire myself, thank you very much. So we get in, and I get out the jack, and then the jack has to be put behind the flat tire. What a stupid place to put a jack, behind the flat tire is where you have to put it. 
And so we tried to do that. I couldn't get the thing up high enough off the ground. And I start taking the lug nuts off. And do you know in a 15-passenger van, they have eight lug nuts? Who puts eight lug nuts on a van? So I'm working on it, and a couple of the guys are helping me, and we've been wrestling with it for, I don't know, a couple minutes, maybe 35 at this point. And I'm trying to get the lug nuts off, and I hear, we've had a good day. I hear somebody crying over behind me. And I thought, who is crying? We're having a great day. We just happen to be stuck here. And I, I look over, and all the girls are huddled around one of the girls. I'm like, oh, give me a break. Who, what is going on? And I look over, and my wife is in tears. <laughs> and the college girls are trying to comfort her. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And uh, wow, it wasn't okay. Couldn't get the tire off. We finally had to call a tow truck. The guy said, yeah, it'll be about 40 minutes. That went well. So we finally, by the time we get home, we drop the kids off, we get to the house. It's probably a little bit after one o'clock in the morning. And let me just say, there was a whole lot of communication going on between me and my wife, but there were no words being said, right? (laughs) But right before she goes to sleep, we get in, in the bed, turn off the lights, she rolls over, and guys, she says those magic words to me right before she goes to bed. What were they? You were there. <laughs> yes, I told you so. Ah, that was a tough evening. But communication is central to every relationship. I would even go as far as to tell you that communication is probably the most important part of every relationship. Because everything hinges around that. We have a a young adult class that I teach like once a month over at our church. And a couple months ago, everybody was gathered together. And I asked them to write letters, if they would, to themselves as they were younger. Have you ever heard that, uh, I think it's a Casting Crown song, Hey Younger Me? Where he's talking about talking to himself when he was younger. So I asked all the young adults in this class, I said, hey, I need you guys, write yourself a letter like you're writing yourself years ago. What what advice would you give yourself? And so they all did that. And then I collected them and I said, can I give these to the high school kids? And they said, yeah. So that's what we did. We gave those letters to the high school kids, which was pretty cool. And I said, wouldn't it be neat if somebody had done that for you? Well, we had. I'd gone to the older couples in our church, and I had asked them to write letters to the younger couples. And I actually gave them all the letters that the older couples had worked on. And so they took those, and man, there was some good stuff. And I was very strategic in who we asked. I asked some couples who had been married for 50 years. I asked some couples who had been married for just a few. I asked some couples who had been divorced previously and had been remarried. And I said, just write here what your best advice is to young couples. And they did. And man, there was some great stuff. And I wish I could say, hey, I have copies for all of you, but I don't. But I'll tell you what I did do. I took the language from all of those letters and I built a word cloud. You know what a word cloud is? Yeah, so a word cloud is when you take common words in multiple letters And you make a picture out of those words. And the more times a word is used, the bigger the word is. See with me? If a word's used a lot, it's bigger. If it's not used so much, it's smaller. And so I did that. 
And I've got the, the word cloud here, and I want you to see these were the themes that came up time and time again inside of the letter letters that they wrote to the young adults. And I think there's some incredible themes here. So you see, obviously, you know, things you'd expect to see, like Jesus and God. So I'm going to tell you right now, if Jesus Christ is not the center of any relationship that you have, that relationship is going to struggle. And, and, and also, but it's not impossible, but it's going to struggle. And I'll also share this with you as we look at Jesus and God. You know, the Bible talks about not being, to not be unequally yoked. Let me just speak for a second on that. Unequally yoked doesn't mean, hey, uh, I'm a Google person and you're an Apple person, so we can't be together. It doesn't mean that. It means you have to have the same desire to pursue after God. So two people who are like, eh, God's okay. We go to church on, you know, we're Christers. We go Christmas and Easter and uh, we're okay. If two people are both like that, they have a chance. But if you have one person who says, passionate about my relationship with Jesus Christ, and the other person isn't, that relationship's going to have problems. And so that's what it means to be equally yoked, that you're both pulling toward God at the same speed. And so I would say anybody in here who's looking to get into a relationship, when you do that, you have to find somebody who's looking to pull toward God at the same rate that you want to. Make sense? So that's some of the stuff, Jesus and God, and then they talk about working. And then, but there was one thing that came up, and that's what I want to talk to you about. Because to me, this is the most important theme when you start talking about a relationship. And that's, I pointed it out here in this next one. There you go. Listen, I think communication is by far the most important um, part of a lasting relationship. And so... Communication doesn't always mean talking, right? We think of communication as talking. It's not always talking. But communication is always listening. And so you see these things, and, and it's, it's incredibly important that as I walk you through, I'm going to take you through seven stages that the experts say a lasting relationship goes through. And as we go through each one of these, we're going to talk about what is the communication portion of each of these. So remember that. Listen. So the first stage, so experts have their, their um, stages. And the first stage, and I messed up on the PowerPoint, so you're going to see the first three stages all at the same time. So if it bothers you, just hold your hands like this, right? And then you can only see the first one. You may have to close one eye or you'll get sick. But we're going to stick with stage number one right now. And stage number one is the passion stage or the romantic stage. Every relationship, as it begins, goes into this romantic stage. And the romantic stage, here's how communication works in the romantic stage. You ready? This is it. When you're in the romantic stage, this is the extent of the valuable communication. <sighs> That's it. That's pretty much it, right? He's so great. She is so wonderful. I think she's perfect. Because when you're in that romantic stage, you can't see faults. You can't see anything, but, oh, they're wonderful. And you kind of talk like that. It's when you watch, remember like the, the movie like Jerry Maguire? 
It's when you watch those movies, right? And they're like, you complete me. Oh, you had me at hello. And when you're, in, when you're not in this stage, you watch that and go, who talks like that? But when you're in the middle of the stage, you're going, oh, that's us. Right? Because you're confused. You're in the middle of this, this romantic stage. And the communication is all jumbled because that's what you're thinking of. But I, I do a premarital counseling with couples. And we sit down and I always ask, you know, why do you want to get married? And the response is usually something like, because she is so great. I just love her so much. And that's a good answer. I mean, it's better than saying, I don't know, right? So I get that. But, but it's, it's not, I think there's this mentality that, oh, you know what? We are super big, crazy in love. And we have this full thing of love because we love each other so much. And because we love each other so much, our thought is that as we go through time, we'll just feed off of that great big amount of love that we had. And if we're lucky, maybe we'll die before we use it all up. But that's not the way love's supposed to work. That's not the way God has designed it. As a matter of fact, it's supposed to go just the opposite. You start here, and in a good, healthy relationship, the love grows. And it'll only grow, though, if you treat the communication portion of your relationship in whatever stage it's in the right way. And there are some definite steps that we have to take. So... Even before we go out of the passion stage, I have to tell you this. Our definition of love is skewed. You talk to people and they say, oh, I'm in love. Or, yeah, I fell out of love. Or love is something that you have. You see, we talk about love as though it's a noun. But in the Bible, Jesus never talked about love as a noun. Jesus says, you are to love one another. Okay, English majors, what does that mean? What kind of word is love in that sentence? It's a verb. And so anytime in Scripture God talks about loving, He treats it as a verb. It's not something you have or you get or you fall into or out of. It's something that you do. And so you have to understand that definition of love. Because when you understand that definition of love and we overlay the communication with each of these stages then you begin to have a relationship that can last. And this is something that happy couples know. So in this first stage, it's the passion. It's the romantic stage. But there's bad news. That stage doesn't last forever. Let me give you an example. There are actually chemicals that go off in your mind that make you feel... Uh, it's, it's similar, not exactly, but it's similar to the reaction when you see something in the store you really want, and then you go home and you don't buy it, but you really want it, and all you can think about is how great that is, and if you had it in your life, you'd love it, and then you finally go buy it, and you bring it home, and you're like, yes, why did I spend my money on that? So the same thing happens with the romantic stage, the passion stage. It doesn't last forever. Now, Understand me, I'm not saying that you can't have passion in your relationships forever. I'm saying this first stage doesn't last forever. Because what happens is the next stage. What's the next stage? Move your hands down. What's the next stage? 
Reality sets in, sister. Right? Because that guy that's so dreamy and wonderful, you find out all of a sudden, he doesn't know how to put the toilet paper right in the roller so that the thing comes over the top. Amen. <laughs> right? And that, that girl that's so wonderful and perfect, apparently no one has ever taught her that you're supposed to clean the sink that you're getting ready at. And, and that guy that's so great, apparently he had a magic genie that put all his clothes away because they're scattered everywhere. And you begin to see those things and reality sets in and you begin to see that this person is not perfect like you thought they were. So there's good news though. 1 Peter 4.8 says that when you, uh, when you are loving someone, it'll cover a multitude of sins. So you begin to get over these things. But this is very important to a lasting relationship. Because what you're doing is you're actually going to have the opportunity to begin training yourself on how to have good, communi healthy communication in a relationship. Because these things that don't really matter, they're just irritating, are practice for what's coming. And so you begin to train yourself and you begin to learn how to have a relationship that has communication in it. And the key to communication is listening. And not just listening, active listening. And you begin to learn it and practice it in the stage of realization. So here's how communication usually works. Watch this. I say something, and then when I'm done, you talk. And when you're done, I get to talk again, and then I have to shut up a while and let you talk. But then it's my turn again, and I'm going to talk. And when you're talking... I'm thinking about what I want to say, but I know I have to wait for you to quit moving your jabs so I can say what I want to say. That's the way most people communicate, but that's not communication and that's not active listening, right? You're not just standing there waiting for the other person to get done talking so that I can say what I want to say. That's not good communication. Now you're thinking, well, that's hypocritical of you, Scott. You get to stand up here and talk the whole time and we don't get to say anything. <laughs> Too bad. So... Active listening means that I'm hearing what you're saying and now I'm going to turn around and to show you that I care about what you said, I'm going to ask you a question about something you just told me. Because when you do that, the person you were talking to now begins to believe, wow, you, you really care about what I'm saying. You're listening. And then you begin to have good dialogue and good communication and you begin to build a foundation that when issues bigger than the toilet paper come up, you can communicate with each other. Because they will come up. But you've got to have that training under your belt. You've got to practice it. You've got to build toward that. Because as soon as you're out of this stage, what stage is coming next? Rebellion. Conflict. Now, let me set the stage. Let me, let me say this. This isn't the way relationships work, right? You don't get up one morning and say, uh, call your, your person you're in the relationship with and say, hey, uh, let's move to stage two today, <laughs> right? So we're done with that one. Let's put it behind us. It's not usually a clean crossover, but it does happen. You do go through these. 
And when you get through the realization, which is the training, to put you in a situation so you know how to handle communication with someone, and you learn how to talk through issues that you're ready when the issues come because you just went through this training stage of the realization. And you know now they're not perfect, but you know how to talk to them about it, and you know how to listen to them. Because then you're ready when you move into this rebellion and this conflict stage. Because in the rebellion and the conflict stage, it becomes a little tougher. Because it's here that you begin to realize that this whole relationship has been all about them. And it's about time that we do something for me. It happens. And you begin to think, you know what? I used to be able to go out and golf all the time. I don't get to go golf now anymore because we're always doing stuff here. And so you miss that opportunity. And so you begin to blame the other person. And you begin to, things begin to explode and get, get hostile with each other, right? And you believe you're right. And you're trying to tell them that you're right. And they don't want to hear that you're right. They want to hear that they're right. And you're a little bit upset that they not only think you're not right, they're not hearing what you're saying. That's the rebellion stage. That's the conflict stage. So it's, it's important um, as, as we go through this that we begin to understand how to talk through this. Now, let me give you an example. Um, you may be saying one thing, but they may be hearing something completely different. And you're saying, well, I'm telling them the right thing. I don't know why they can't listen. It's very clearly being said here, and they're not hearing me. For example, I may say to my wife, ah, you know what? I don't want to go down to Elkins to see your mom today. What I'm saying is, I got things going on. I got things I got to do today. It's just really going to be a busy day. That's what I said. But what she hears, hey, I don't like your mom, and I really don't want to go spend any time down there. As a matter of fact, I don't even like the ride down there, right? But that is not what I said, but that's what she heard. Let me, I can give you a perfect example. How many people were alive this week? Because if you were alive this week, you heard this whole Laurel and Yanny thing, right? So if you haven't heard it, let's... Listen, tell me whether you hear the word Laurel or you hear the word Yanny. Go ahead. Laurel. 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 Okay. How many of you in here hear the word Yanny? What is wrong with you people? It is clearly Laurel. Clearly Laurel. But that... That is the perfect example of what happens inside of a relationship when the communication isn't strong. If you haven't done all your training, you get into the situation and you're saying, Laurel, Laurel. I'm telling my wife, Laurel, Laurel. And she's hearing, Yanny, Yanny. <laughs> and I'm saying, that's not what I said. And she's, it is too what you said. And so you get into this whole, and then it becomes... Guess what? You begin fighting about something that you didn't even start off talking about. Right? Because you're not communicating together. You haven't learned to actively listen and communicate. And you have to build that up through this 
communication through this listening and the active listening. I, I tell you this too. How many of you ever heard of a guy named Dr. Gary Chapman? Okay, so Dr. Chapman, he has this thing called the five love languages, which I think is tremendous. And his thought is this, that each of us has a language that we identify love with. So uh, the five love languages are acts of kindness, quality time, physical touch, gifts, and words of affirmation. And it means that for me, maybe um, when I want to show love or when I receive love, it's, it's through words of affirmation. Like if I say to my wife, I love you. You are so wonderful. You're so beautiful. You know, I just thank you for what you do. You're great. But maybe what she's hearing is yammy, 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 yammy. Because if, if I wanted to show her love, maybe her, her love language might be acts of kindness. And so I'm saying, you're great. But what she wants is for me to fold the laundry. Right? I'm, I'm, I might be saying something and she's like, wash the car. If you want to show me love, show me love. Don't say those things. But to me... Maybe that's the way I express love. And so for me to go out and, and you know, do the dishes, I'm like, how's that show that I love? That's not love. Love is when I say things. And so it, you begin to miss each other. And so this happens. Watch. You go into the relationship. You're in this rebellion in this conflict stage, and you're trying to tell the other person that you love them. And so you're standing there going, Laurel, 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 Laurel. And they're hearing yanny, 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 yanny. Because you're not talking the same language. You know, she may say, uh, she, she prepares my lunch, and I'm like, big deal. Yeah, I mean, thank you, I guess. That, thanks. You know, the cafeteria will do that too. How does that show love? And you miss each other because you're not talking the same language. But until you communicate with one another, how do you know what that language is? And so you have one person who's speaking Spanish and one person who's speaking French and you're talking right past each other. And you get into the really tough things that come and you want to work through it, but if you haven't done the training in the last stage about how to do an active, engaged listening where you communicate with each other and you get into a tough situation in this stage, you're in trouble. And you're, you try to bail out by showing the other person you love them, but you're still talking different languages. So you've got to be able to communicate. I think most troubles in marriages can be tracked back to two people not being able to accurately communicate. Because even when you talk, even when you fight, tell me this isn't true. You're fighting about this, or at least these are the words you're saying, but your fight isn't about what you're fighting about your fight ends up being about something completely different. You just, neither one of you are talking about it. You've got to learn to communicate through this. And I'm going to tell you one more thing about this stage. This is the stage where you've got to learn the art of fighting. And it's good. You have to learn it. I, I, I'll tell you this. Uh, so in this stage, if you're not communicating, this often happens. Well, once you do this, then I'll do that. 
But until you do that, I'm not doing that. And it becomes this credit-debit type relationship, which isn't healthy at all. And then you start to fight, right? And this is what I mean about the art of the fight, learning to fight fair. If we're fighting about um, what color my shoes are, then keep the fight about the shoes. At no point should I say, well, your Uncle Joe, he smells funny. (laughs) Right? That's not fair. Or, 12 years ago, you bought a pair of shoes and those colors were ugly. What am I doing? I'm bringing up things that aren't related to the fight into the fight because I felt like I was losing the fight and so I'm trying to gain leverage in that fight. If you hear nothing else I say today, please hear this. In a relationship, the way you fight is far more important than what you're fighting about. Learn to fight fair. Learn to fight with love because that'll pay far greater dividends than winning an argument. And so we get through this and we begin to nurture that and we begin to the art of fighting and you learn that. So you move into this next stage, cooperation. And let me tell you about how communication works in the cooperation stage. And this is generally when a marriage begins to have kids involved, right? So this is the communication. Okay, I'm going to take kid one to the soccer field. You take kid two to the birthday party. I'll swing by Walmart before the birthday song and bring a gift over for kid two's birthday party that they're at. But then you have to swing back and pick up kid A from the soccer field, get them bathed and in bed, and I'll pick up food for kid B and we'll get home. Ready, break. Right? It becomes a business-type relationship where you, you need each other to go through the circumstances of life, which is okay. As a matter of fact, Ecclesiastes chapter 4 talks about it. It says, hey, look, two is better than one. Three is even better. It says, three being God. Let me clear that up. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Yeah, please tell Justin I said that, will you? <laughs> a chord of three is not easily broken. The third chord is God. It's four, Ecclesiastes 4.12. Thank you very much. But, wow, that threw me. Um, you, you need each other. You need each other to get through life. And so cooperation is a big deal. And that's okay. And if you have kids, the other part of Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. That's true with kids. So it's helpful. But here's the danger in this stage. It becomes so much like a business relationship that you forget to have the marriage relationship. And that begins to become very difficult. And here's the most dangerous part. Because you're so overwhelmed with trying to get things done, 
that you're six, seven, 10, 12, 20 years down the road before you realize we've stopped communicating. Our conversations are about the kids and how we're going to get the kids where the kids need to be. And I've stopped asking you about you. I've stopped caring about you and communicating and trying to see what's going on with you. The cooperation stage is a deadly killer. And you have to work through that. You have to, to take your time and walk through that. Because guess what stage comes next? Reunion. And so you find yourself in a relationship, and the kids are gone, and now you're with somebody that you really haven't talked to for the last 20 years. And they're not the same person you started dating 20 years ago. I, it is, this is one of the hardest things, I think, to talk to couples about. Sometimes I'll have couples come talk to me, and they've been married for a long time, and things aren't going well. And what's happened is they forgot to talk to each other during the cooperation phase. Not just about what's going on, but they forgot to turn the TV off when they had a few minutes. They forgot that when they had 20 minutes to themselves, sometimes, so I know how it is, right? You're busy in life and things are going busy and you get 20 minutes to yourselves with no kids and no pressure and nobody around. And like most of us, we're thinking one of two things. Do we want to sleep or have sex? <laughs> and you have to find time to simply talk. You've got to find time to communicate with each other because you're going to find yourself in the reunion stage at some point and you don't know this person who you're living with. And that's why you have to continue to communicate through that, guys. It's, it is so vitally important. And so you got to put away the distractions. You sit down in the living room, it means you have to learn to turn the TV off. Put the iPads away. Turn and look at each other and talk about something that doesn't start with, well, guess what the kids did? And get to know each other again. As you walk through this reunion, usually it is in this stage or immediately after this stage where the explosion stage happens. Explosion stage is, it means, uh, generally it happens in people's 40s and 50s, but it could happen at any point in your relationship. And it's when something significant happens to one of you, either a health issue or a job, somebody loses a job, or it's, it's a family issue, something significant happens. I, I asked Lynette if I could share this. Like, uh, it was four years ago that she got a call uh, from her mom, and they started talking, and she found out at 40 years old that her mom was her mom, but her dad was not her dad. Now that's a big news thing. Now watch this. If we didn't have a relationship where we were communicating, and believe me, we're not perfect. If we were perfect, Lynette never would have said, I told you so that night we came back. 
But if we didn't have the type of relationship where we could communicate with each other, she could not clearly say Laurel. So I had to understand Yanny. Does that make sense? I had to understand. Because if I wasn't there for her in the explosion, then I would never be there for her again. And so the communication phase has got to be strong long before the explosion happens or you find yourself in trouble with the relationship. So that brings us to our last one, completion. And completion, completion doesn't mean we made it. Whew, we're done. Boy, I'm glad that's over. That took forever. Oh, my gosh. I didn't think we were going to make it. We made it. I'll see you later. <laughs> Not the completion I'm talking about. The completion portion of your relationship, that's when you're, you finally get to the point. The kids are grown or, or all the distractions have gone away. You know what? You truly know each other, and you love each other. You know each other. You know, you know, ah, you know he's an idiot. He still puts the toilet paper on wrong sometimes. I think it's on purpose, <laughs> but I love him. I'm going to love him as a verb. You get to the completion stage, and that's ultimately, that's what happy couples know. They know when they get here, that's how they got here. They didn't just arrive. They had to work at it in every stage of the relationships to grow to that point. Now, I'm wrapping up, but I want to leave you with this thought. If it takes that much work and that much effort and that much communication to grow a relationship with someone, why would we think that it doesn't take the same to grow our relationship with Jesus Christ. It takes effort. It takes time. You have to spend and invest in your walk with Jesus Christ to grow that relationship. Do you know what today is? Today is Pentecost. Let me tell you what Pentecost was in the Old Testament. Passover happened. And the children of Israel were led out to the mountain and God communicated with them 50 days later and gave them the Torah, how he was going to speak to them. New Testament, Jesus Christ on Passover, Good Friday, is our lamb. He dies on the cross for our sins. But on Easter, he rose again. 50 days later, is Acts chapter 2. The apostles are gathered together, and where in the Old Testament, 50 days afterwards, God had given them the Torah, which taught them about the law. In Acts chapter 2, God gives us the Holy Spirit, which writes the law on our hearts, because he wanted to have a closer relationship with you. He didn't want your relationship with him to be on paper. He wanted your relationship with him to be in your heart. God doesn't want you to fall in love with him. God wants you to love him like he loves you. So I leave you with this thought. In Proverbs chapter 4, 
chapter 14, verse 4, there's a great verse. It says, where there are no oxen, the manger is empty. But the strength of an ox comes, from the strength of an ox come abundant harvests. You're looking at that, Scott has lost his mind. Everybody should be looking at me like, I don't know, but I think he just said yanny. But this is key to relationships. If you have an ox in a stable, guess what else you have? A whole bunch of crap. (laughs) Right? But it's that same ox that you can take out into the field and plow the field up and get a huge harvest. So here's what I leave you with. People say, well, what did Scott talk about at church? Scott said that I'm married to an ox and I got to put up with a lot of crap. (laughs) But if I do, man, there's great fruit that comes from those relationships. Let's pray.